Hallelujah. Church of Omaha, we could gather into our seats. I am so thankful, as always, to be with you in the house of the Lord. Last week I was blessed to be up in Fremont, but I missed you all, and I'm glad to be back with you again this week. We could turn in our Bibles to turn to Romans chapter 12, and we'll read verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I see right at the start here that Paul says, I beseech you beseech you. He's, he's pleading. He's reaching. Um, something I find interesting there, he doesn't say, I command you, but yet when we read it, we realize that's where he's getting at. But it's, it's a New Testament thing where, where he's saying, hey, you need to want to do this. And I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you, I need, live this way. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today. Oh, God, Lord, to change our hearts and our lives. God, we want to hear from you. God, we want to grow closer to you and become more like you and more what you want us to be. Have your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to talk to you today about pigskins and paradise. Pigskins and paradise. You're like, what is that all about? What is that all about? Well, I want to tell you, it does have something to do with football. A little bit. Really has to do with God. It doesn't have to do with Husker football, which has looked very badly lately. Oh man. <laughs> I do not let football affect my preaching. But I did want to text somebody the other day that said, Sundays from now on I will be preaching angry. That's not true. That's not true. I'm not angry about Husker football anymore. I'm resigned. I expect them to lose, but it's bad. Um, but I do have a quote here that I read earlier this week, and, um, and I thought, man, Lord, that, that really, it, it's, uh, I thought that fits with what you've been talking to me about here in the book of Romans chapter 1, and it's from Tom Brady. Who else? If it's not the Huskers, Tom Brady, TB12, and he, and he says here, speaking of football, I haven't had a Christmas in 23 years, and I haven't had a Thanksgiving in 23 years. I haven't celebrated birthdays with people that I care about that are born from August to late January, and I'm not able to be at funerals, and I'm not able to be at weddings. I read that, and I thought about sacrifice. I thought about what Tom Brady has given up to play this game, and if you know much about football and Tom Brady, and he's... he's said to be the greatest quarterback ever, not because of his athleticism, not because of 
he's the best at movements or anything like that, but because he is always found with his team a way to win. He takes teams and he moves them to another level. He gets people motivated to line up in front of him, to work beside him, and to, and to get into the positions and to put the effort in. And so when they say he's the greatest ever, it's not really a reflection on how strong he is or how mobile he is, but what he's been able to do with teams. And when they would think, hey, you've achieved every Super Bowl you possibly could imagine wanting to have, why would you go for another? He, said, he tells you that this is his life and it's his passion and it's what motivates him. You know, uh, for some of you, the dollar figures that you would, he would get would motivate you. Some of you wouldn't mind having your body wiped out on the field by somebody tackling you for a few dollars. But then after five years of that, you'd probably be like, you know, I'm done. Me? <laughs> if I got wiped out by one of those guys, I'd probably be like, I'm done. That was good. Uh, I think there's another job for me. I know it doesn't pay as much. Um, some of those guys, they're big boys. But he keeps pressing through and he keeps playing. And when he got done with the Patriots, he moved to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another TB team. And, uh, and he keeps playing and he won a Super Bowl there. And so I read this quote of, I haven't had Christmas in 23 years. I haven't had Thanksgiving in 23 years. He's missed birthdays and funerals. And my mind turned. And I thought, was that worth it? Was what you gave up there worth it? And he goes on and he says, I think there comes a point in your life where you say, you know what? I've had my fill and it's enough and time to go on. Time to move into other parts of life. I see a man that was my favorite quarterback, was my team, and, and, and I, I hear those words, and I see somebody who all of a sudden in this last year has said, wait a second, I've missed out on a lot. There's a lot that I haven't done, and it suddenly it's becoming stark into my mind that maybe where I've dedicated my life at, what I've put my sacrifice into, what I've, what I've committed to, it's cost me a lot, and I'm not willing to pay that price anymore. And some of you have committed your lives, and some of you are hearing me online, and you've committed your lives to, to hobbies, to careers, to goals, to jobs, to, to education, things you pressed yourself into, and you gave your all into it, and it consumed your life. It was, it was a huge part of your finances. But I would ask you today, when you look at it, is it worth it? Is where you have put your life at, is it worth it? What you've made your goal. In this case, we talk about football, and so it's the pigskin. I don't know if they use pigskins anymore to make footballs, but that's what they, they used to use anyway, is my understanding. And is it worth it? Is every hour that you spent, every bit of dedication to that, because there is something you can dedicate your life to that is worth it. And you only have, as Bishop said the other day, 24 hours in a day. And you have only so much life to live. Now, Bishop, when you spoke on that, you said, we all have one thing that we all have the same amount of, and that's time. But in the moment that you said that, 
I all of a sudden wondered how many years do I have left? Well, do I have, how, oh God, teach me to number my days. Teach me to, to value my time, God. That, that, that I would use it in the manner that You would want me to use it. Because we've been allocated each a portion of life. And you get to decide where you want to use it. You know, you could have sat at home every Saturday and all week long and looked at football stats. And you could have watched all the football games. And you could have said, this is great life for me. And Tom Brady would tell you, I played it. And I put it out there all on the field. And both of you could have used the same amount of time. And yet you walk away a spectator, and he walks away a champion. So we need to do something with our time. I would rather be the person that was the champion than the one that just simply watched it from the couch but both of you gave all your life to that game. But is that the game that you should be giving your life to? Now before I leave uh, TB12 here today, there's something about that quote that gets to me too. Something different. And that is I think we look at that and we say Tom Brady committed above and beyond what normally we would commit to something in life. And that, I believe, is what we think of as sacrifice. We say, Tom gave up all this time with his children, and he did. He gave up all this time with family, and he did. He gave up this portion of experiencing these things in life, and he did. So he could have that one thing he was striving towards. And we say, wow, what a sacrifice. But we view that as an above and beyond thing. Not as something that we necessarily had to do or something that is necessary to do. And that idea of sacrifice, I get it. I get it when we're sacrificially giving. We say, okay, you know what? You know, I, I, I've, I, my finances I've proportioned up. I'm going to give this as a tithe, or I'm going to give this as an offering to God. I'm going to support the church. I'm going to support the, financially the work of the kingdom. And, and so sometimes in that moment we say, you know what? I'm digging deeper today. There's some things that I'm giving up that, that, that Starbucks I would buy or, or that pop I would buy. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to set that aside for this. Or, or I'm going to reach into this was something I had set aside for a purchase for me, but I'm no longer going to purchase that. And I'm going to give that. And I can think of in my own life, uh, even as a young man, there was something I was going to buy. And, and, and a missionary came through and I felt like God said, hey, would you give that up? And I'm like, ah. That was for me. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm giving that to you, God. And you know what I got the next day? Nothing. The product didn't show up at my door. I was like, well, God, I gave up that for you. And, and I was like, no, no, I gave it to you, God. And I reached in. But that there was me saying, I'm going to go above and beyond on something. And I could, I've done that more and more in life. And financially, sacrificially giving. Sometimes you say, you know what? We were going to do this this weekend, but not now. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take this time and we're going to spend it doing something to help others out and reach into the kingdom. And we sacrificed some of our time. Does everybody understand that? The problem I have with that, I'm great with sacrificially giving, and I will preach that and I will teach that and, I'll say, and we will call on you and say, hey, can we come together and do this? 
But Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This, my friends, is not a going above and beyond the call of duty. This is not something where you said, you know what, I'm going to take an extraordinary step. I'm going to do something that I normally shouldn't be required to do. I like the New Living Translation. He says, And so, brothers and sisters, I plead with you that you give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. And when He says bodies there, He means your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your physical flesh here, every bit of you. And He's telling them, you need to give it to God. This word sacrifice... We're going to get back to it not just being something extraordinary, above the ordinary. Touch on that a little more here, because Paul's calling for us to do this. But the word sacrifice in the Old Testament, this is what he's reaching back to. See, sacrifice, it struck me earlier this year, and I was visiting with someone on the topic. It was bothering me a little bit. Um, sacrifice is prescriptive in the Old Testament. You go into the book of Leviticus where it lays out all the sacrifices and it was detailed and it was laid out and it told you exactly what needed to be brought for this situation and what exactly needed to be brought for that situation. And, and, and why is this important to understand? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God, test, or God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. Or again in the New Living it says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Why? Because God had a certain way he wanted it done. And if you tried to do it the other way, it didn't matter if you said, Oh, if Cain, Cain came and said, God, I'm going to give you all of my garden. All of my garden is yours, and I'm going to spend 100% of my day growing fruits and vegetables for you. When God wanted the blood, He needed the blood. There was a prescriptive sacrifice in the Old Testament in Genesis. It doesn't detail it out there, but I think we can reach forward then and we can see the things that are described and without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. And we can begin together that there was a blood sacrifice and something had to occur there and God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice, but He was pleased with Abel's. And he came and he told Cain, you know, sin life at the door. You're, you're giving in to this thing here. But if you'll just do well, if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do, if you will just obey me, Cain, it'll work out. But it was prescriptive. Interesting thing about prescriptive sacrifices. When Jesus was born, they went to the temple and they took some birds. That sacrifice was set up so if you, you couldn't maybe afford the bigger animal, you could get the smaller animal. But when it came to needing a lamb for the shedding of, your, of, of sin, for sin, when it came to needing the red heifer, it needed a red heifer. And they would take these animals and they would inspect them. They would put them to the side and, and they would study them and they would look and they would feel them over and they'd say, is there any blemish? Is there any flaw? That's why Jesus on this earth the man Jesus Christ, what we can find out is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we have an high priest which cannot 
be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus passed the inspection. And the thing about prescriptive sacrifice is it doesn't really matter, Trevor, if you can afford it or not. It's not saying in this particular situation that it didn't say without the giving of all your life, there's no remission of sin. It was without the shedding of blood. And that wasn't a pinprick, but that literally was the giving of life. That's why Jesus, when He was praying in the garden, said, said if it could be that this cup would pass from Me. Like, like is there another way? Does it, is this particular one going to require the cross? But not My will, but Your will be done. See, none of you could achieve that. None of you could have made that happen. I don't care how committed and dedicated you were. You and I were full of sin. We couldn't do that. And one sin discounted us. We had a blemish. And the prescription called for something that we could not pay. And that is why they would bring an animal and they would kill it. And they would give it. And those those. Jewish people, those Hebrews, they had no choice. This is what you're supposed to do. If you have, um, if you have leprosy or a, a, a stain or something in your home, here's how you have to handle it. If you've done this situation, this is how you have to handle it. If you touch a dead body, this is what you've got to do. It was very prescribed and laid out. You couldn't say, well, honey, <laughs> you know what? I touched a dead body today, so I think I'm going to go above and beyond the call of duty and purify myself. No. No. And let me tell you today, it's not above and beyond the call of duty to come and tell Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's not above and beyond the call of duty for you to tell somebody else, I'm sorry that I just hurt your feelings. <laughs> no. It's not like you went out of your way. And so in our society, somebody says, wow, they made a real sacrifice. They apologize for being wrong. And you're like, what? But... You've got to come to God. and You've got to be sorry. It's not above and beyond the call of duty to go down in the water and have your sins washed away. And it's not above and beyond the call of duty to say I'm going to live the rest of my life for you, Jesus. You see... When you read this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Maybe that King James language gets a little in your head and you think you gave up something, but you didn't give up anything at all. Jesus gave up everything to save you. And He's saying you can gain everything. Oh, right now you've lost a pleasant life. You've lost liberty. You've lost joy. You've lost what it means to, to, to truly live and to, to feel loved. You've lost all that because of sin. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what did you give up? Did you give way up waking up with a hangover the next morning? Did you give up losing your marriage? Did you give up? Oh, did you give up having your body aching and in pain because you rattled it with drugs when you were younger? What did you give up when you came to Jesus Christ? Truly, what did you sacrifice? When you went ahead and you said, God, I'm putting you first in my lifestyle, in my prayer, and in my giving. And God said, you know what? I'm going to take care of your bills. And I'm going to go ahead and, and give you a place to live. And I'm going to help you with your children. 
What did you give up? Oh, I'm telling you, it's very pleasant for me when I'm stressed out about how I'm going to make things meet. And then I'm like, wait a second, this is God's problem. You need to start living life just a little bit differently. Some of you have a poor mentality. You're out there. You know, I got a lot of notes, and I'm wondering how many I'm going to get through today. Maybe we'll get through all of it. I don't know. But you get a poor mentality. You know what that is? Well, I would sure like to go see that game with you, but man, we can't afford that. Boy, I would sure like to get those really good fireworks. Liam and Finn, I know you want that. That would be great, but we just can't afford that. And have you ever had it then? Maybe you've done it yourself. I don't know. And you're like, maybe they'll help me out. Like, yeah, I would really like to do that, but I, I can't afford that. We don't have any money. And then people are like, well, okay, let me help you out. Yeah, right? right? Mm. But I was talking to God the other day. You know what I can't afford? A full stadium with a massive fireworks display for me. And I never would even thought about that. That's ridiculous to blow up those kind of dollars. But when this is God's finances, and he says, you know what, would you like to have a vacation on the side of a mountain with a beautiful view? I like that. All right, I got a, I got a place for you. I just had to come onto the market just for you. I, okay, I, God, I want to take a trip. Is there something? Oh, I could, do, I could do that. Well, just the lady says on the phone, well, this isn't even in our photos. It just came in. Well, that's exactly what I wanted, God. And the secret was it wasn't what Alicia wanted, but she didn't ask God for the place. I did. <laughs> there was no conflict. Um, <laughs> we came to that view, and she went, whoa. <laughs> Let's walk back, everybody. I'm like, man, God. The stadium of fireworks that I told you I enjoyed earlier this June. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Liam and Finn, we have all these seats to ourselves. Look at this display. God said, you know what? Today we're going to give you a stadium of fireworks. And this is what it's going to be. And I've set it up for you. And I gave you a house to live in. And I chose this time for you to work a job to pay for it. But I didn't make you pay for out of your pocket the fireworks. But everything is God's. And He took care of it all. Oh, I tell you, I, I've got some children. I didn't give myself one of those children. But God brought them into my life. And He's the one that filled them with His Spirit. He breathed into them a breath of life. And He's the one. I'm going to be diligent, God, with the responsibility You gave me. But You're the one that saves them, delivers them, keeps them, and is going to take them through the rest of life. Who am I to think that I can make all that happen? I can't, but God can, and He will. Because He possesses everything. So stop thinking about, I can't, I can't, I only have these resources. Instead, think of, God has all these resources. What do you want to do today, God? Is this an option on the menu, or is that an option? Could we perhaps see this? Could you make this happen for us? Oh, God is our provider. He's our caretaker. He gives us our needs, but He also gives you the desires of your heart. So start looking at it from His pocketbook. How he wants to provide. Did it, you know, sometimes you get something. Phones, right? iPhones are not cheap. So when somebody gives you an iPhone, and all of you are saying please, right here. Um, somebody gives you an iPhone. Is that iPhone? If I gave you an iPhone 12 today, is it somehow less valuable than if you had purchased it yourself? No. 
You're like, I couldn't afford that. God gave you what you needed when you needed it. He provided it for you. So if He had you do it out of your pocketbook or somebody else handed it to you, what does it matter? God took care of it because all you have is God's. And so when God comes and says, hey, I need you to take care of this situation over here, and it can be anything from paying a bill to helping somebody out in any sort of manner, whatever that looks like today. Maybe you brought them food. Maybe you were a voice in their ear. Maybe you encouraged them. Maybe you helped them out with their yard. Maybe you paid their bill. I think I said that one already. But no, no matter what, you know this church in this city, we got this building here. How do we have this building? Because God asked all of us together and those that were before us to plant a place right here. And he asked us to personally reach into the treasures he gave us to invest in it. Because it's all God's. And God takes care of everything. He's our provider. So start thinking of it. He owns everything. He possesses everything. And you and I, we're all his children and we're at the table. Oh, let's give him glory. Hallelujah. 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 So this whole idea of sacrifice. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Oh, Paul's saying I plead with you. Because you know what happens when you stop letting God have you you step out from underneath his hand. And in your blindness, you'll end up over here spending it away. And we could go through the story of the prodigal son, but spending it away and, um, on, on riotous living, just doing what you want. But this stuff is not what God can give you. Those friends left when the money dried up. Those friends left when they don't get from you what you want. You say, oh, some of the best friends I ever had, they were with me my hardest time. But they don't give you that joy. And you can't give them the joy that they need if you're living over there that way. But all of you can come together and get under the hand and umbrella of God. And He says, oh, and He takes you in and He nurtures you and He gives you joy and He'll put back your marriage and He'll, and he'll restore your health. And even if you feel broken down by some stuff, He'll give you inner strength and peace like you never imagined. And He's got your future. So I plead with you that you give your bodies or I can say give yourself to God. Yourself. Your body is a living sacrifice. And then it says holy, acceptable unto God. Holy. I thought on that word holy. You know what holy is? There were some sons of Aaron. And they, well not just sons of Aaron. There were some men of Israel actually. The men of Israel who were deciding who was worthy to be talked to by God. And they all brought censers. They thought of the sons of Aaron because they died as well from incense. But they all brought these censers and they began to burn them before God. And they died because their hearts and their motive and what they were pressing for. They were, they were going against the will of God. And God said, I have enough here. And you guys are, are having a little overthrow and uprising here. And that's not my order and I'm done with that. But those censers, or those, those censers they brought... They had brought them and dedicated them to God. And God said, those are mine. They're holy. They were given to me. I possessed them. You're going to take them and they melted them down and they made them coverings for the altar. They wrapped their altar around with them. 
And so when you would walk up there, you would remember the situation, but you would also understand a holy God. Hear me, you have been given to God. God has sanctified you. God purchased you with His blood. But the difference is from an Old Testament sacrifice is you would go on that particular day and you would say, okay, this is what we need to do and this is yours. But Paul's saying, hold on, you're a living sacrifice. This is his every day, all the time, 24-7. That means the words you speak in church this Sunday morning are his. But at 11 o'clock at night, when you're by yourself, your words, your thoughts are his. This wasn't some extra set aside time. Well, now we serve God together. We cleaned up for this. No, he's like, you're supposed to be holy here. You're mine. And you're supposed to be holy over here. You're mine. And you know what's exciting about that? When you keep yourself under his hand and you're on the job and the things come against you, he says, oh, my holy thing over here, that's mine. I possess it. It's holy. It's been committed to me. But unlike those sacrifices, you get to have a say. And if you stay holy and acceptable unto him, you get to have a say. That word acceptable, it means pleasing. You say acceptable means pleasing. God accepted it. He's pleased with it. We're going to hit some other verses where the root word for it is the same word as what you see acceptable here. This word pleasing. God was pleased with it. He said, okay, I like that. It's good. It's right. It was, it was Abel's sacrifice. It was, it was pleasing. And so we need to go ahead and we need to have a sacrifice that's holy and acceptable or well-pleasing to God. It's important. I reach into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because he had translated him. For he had this, this uh, trans, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. See, your sacrifice, your lifestyle has to meet certain qualifications. And it's got to be found pleasing to God. What is some things? I... I I know we could go through the whole Bible, and we could talk about a lot of things. But what makes some things acceptable to God? Right off the top, since we were sitting there in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, this is right after the whole Enoch thing, but without faith it is impossible to please God. You can't be acceptable to God without faith. But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You want to be pleasing to God? You've got to trust God. You want to be found holy and acceptable unto God? You need to go ahead and put your faith in God. That means that when you hear something that pricks your heart and you're like, yeah, we ain't doing it that way. No. No, God, I'm going to go ahead and 
trust you on this. And I'm going to demonstrate my trust and my love in you by stepping out and doing it. It also means when the world cascades in around you, or it seemingly does, it appears that way, and, and you get down, you need to get down and say, God, I trust you with this. And the one who possesses everything says, yes, you're holy, you're mine, and I'm taking care of it. You trusted him. You had faith, or without faith it is impossible to please him or to be acceptable. You've got to believe on Jesus. I, I read some of these things and I was like, this is the work of God to believe on Jesus? Really? So the work of God is not out there changing the oil, mowing the yard. It's to believe on Jesus. But John chapter 6, verse 29 and 40 says, um, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you would believe on him whom he hath sent. And verse 40 clarifies what that is. It says, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. What is Jesus telling us here? He's saying um, that believe on him. You have got to trust God. These things interconnect with faith. You need to realize the solutions to your life is not in some other identity out there. It is in Jesus Christ and his way and this gospel is the only way to get to heaven. Somebody needs to start believing on Jesus. You need to make that the foundation of your life. If you want to be acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, you need to be like, Jesus has this. I need to see what Jesus would want us to do. How would Jesus want me to live? Where would Jesus want me to go? And so with that, faith and believing is your obedience. He says, John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 and Samuel said this is speaking about King Saul who offered sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to do. He says hath God as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? For or, or behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. What did Enoch do? I, I see a man who in a chaotic messed up world obeyed God trusted God, stayed in relationship with God, believed on God. What did I see in Abel? Somebody who went ahead and gave what God wanted him to give, lived how he wanted him to live. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And how do you know that you love God? Because you obey him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Or in the NLT it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Acceptable. You are a set-apart people. <clears throat> you are a holy people. A peculiar people. You're a royal priesthood. That's what Peter told us. You're set apart. You know what priest, what was interesting about the priesthood? Is once they were set apart, they were that all the time. And while that was a segment of Israel, God says that about all of his people. You're a royal priesthood. Barnabas, why did Barnabas sell his goods in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4? Why did he come and sell all his goods? Do you know what he was? He was a Levite. And he's like, under the Old Testament, I really wasn't supposed to have land. I was a Levite. I was given some cities and that was it and that's where I was supposed to dwell. But I was 100% dedicated to God. 
And when he got filled with the Spirit of God, he said, you know what I'm going to do? Now, I'm not asking you all to sell all your lands. But he says, everything I have is God's. And so I'm going to go ahead because as a Levite, I didn't, wasn't supposed to have land. And, and so I'm going to go, and he sells it. Now, the rest of the people said, I'll do that too. And they followed suit, and, and many of them joined up. But you can see he was a Levite with land, and you're like, hold on a second. But he's like, I'm serving the king. And so while it doesn't say those words totally exactly, we see that in the New Testament, he sold his land. Why? I'm committed to God. I'm committed to God. So your faith, your obedience, your trust in God. And we're wrapping up here. We only got a couple minutes left. But I want to just read again Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Because he then says, after present your body's living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just what you're supposed to be doing. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? It means, and if we could stand to our feet. I'm going to take just a moment while you're standing, but I just want to tell you. This word transform, be not conformed to this world, that's the age. That word world there is the age. A couple weeks ago, I guess it was on a Wednesday, I talked to you about changing your thinking, not men's thoughts, God's thoughts. I want to follow up with that here. Because in this present age, that's this world. But he's saying, you know what? The age to come, the way God does business, it's right now. It's amongst you. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means you're going to think the way God thinks. You're thinking about the age to come, which for us is right now. We're in the middle of it. And one day we'll see him face to face and our bodies will be glorified. But, but you need to stop trusting in man's wisdom and man's way of doing business. And you need to start doing it the way God does it. You need to change your thinking. Oh, it, it, it's don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, new living. Um, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Oh, God's got you. He's your provider. And so can't you just go ahead and put your faith in him, believe on him, and obey him. I would today that we would begin to go, we would begin to trust him. And so with that, I would like you to lift up your hands. I would like you to put them on your head and begin to pray, oh God, change my thinking. Change me, oh God. Oh God, I want to be more like you. God, I want to see things the way you see them. Oh Lord, we need a reality check today. We believe some lies. We believe we couldn't get through our problem or our situation. But God, you have everything and you have all I need. So I rebuke the devourer who's come after me to destroy me. And to God, I commit my life to you. Oh God, I know you'll keep me. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. You're with me always, even under the age. You've got my health. You've got my bills. You've got my marriage. You've got my family. Oh God, you've got me. Hallelujah. 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 Give him glory. Give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. So I would ask you today, you're going to do something with your life. You're going to sit on a couch. You may play pigskin. Or are you going to go ahead and say, my life is God's. 
Do you want paradise with Jesus or just the, the pigskins of this world? Because it's going to cost you something, no matter what. So when you look back, I want to ask you, will you say, is it worth it? And I'm telling you, Jesus is worth it. Pigskins in paradise. God bless you. We'll see you back here in, in second half.